Hey, it's Jen the Builder. And Corey. And welcome to Take the Elevator. Welcome back. Yeah, Corey, what are we doing today? Oh, just having a conversation with some really good friends and right. diving deep into some true emotions and getting some good conversation. Yeah, I'm excited about this one because we got Black History um, last episode. And so I feel like we're warmed up to talk about Black Present. <clears throat> Yeah, it's important that we kind of started on the soft end of things and got people uh, in the right mood. Let's say it like that. And so we're going to welcome Lee and Amanda back to the show and just make them feel good and at home. And if you're visiting for with us for the first time, we welcome you in and, and have a good time on this elevator ride. Yeah. So, ladies, thank you for being here again. What was one standout moment that you experienced from the first episode that we just did. Can I just give one word? Absolutely. We like one word. Synergy. 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 Yeah. I can deal with that. Amongst a new group of people, right? This is a new chemistry. Yeah. Mm. That was cool. Yeah. uh, A culture check. Mm. Love that. Lee, are you a musician or a writer? I am not a musician. I don't have a voice at all, Corey. And if I sung, I would crack every window. <laughs> Maybe that's just the writer in you. That... But Jen knows a little bit about my history in terms of dance, okay. um, contemporary jazz, a little bit of hip hop. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so I artist. feel the music within. Yeah. Absolutely. There's an artist. And so that's where the, the fluidity, fluidity comes Absolutely. from. <laughs> all right. And, so, and you've got a great voice, by the way. Amanda and Lee have that. Thank you. Sultry, smooth, Poet. chat, yes. <laughs> like you you mentioned a waterfall the last episode. It's oh, got that right. flow. Yeah. yeah. Got that flow, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So we're going to jump right into this, and, and I'm going to just crack this open with a, a very straight-to-the-point question that's going to have a lot of people scratching their heads, but I don't mind. Lee, Amanda? If blacks are called African-Americans in the USA, what are they called in other parts of the country? Amanda? Is, is this a trivia question? <laughs> you got, we stumped over here. Jeopardy, what the heck? Do a hug she wants to use line. Say for 200, Alex. So, so let me let me elaborate just a little bit because you know the thing about it is we hear these terms again. Um, we talked in the last episode about having different labels being placed on on you, on us, on me for all these different years, and so the question just hit me like a ton of bricks one day. I was thinking, you know, I'm tired of these labels. I'm tired of how this feels. Maybe if I was from somewhere else and the light came on and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's an excellent question to ask someone. So I've been waiting to ask this question for a while. And I'm sorry to just drop it on you like that. But that that's just what it has been for me. Just what what, what are we called in other parts if, if, this, if this is what it is here? You know, I don't know. But, you know, a little backstory. I went on this date with this man from Norway. Okay. <laughs> he wasn't from here. I know this is not about dating, but uh, he had mentioned, he's like, you know, you're a beautiful black woman. And so in his country, I guess we are called black. 
Yeah. That's my only point of reference. Mm-hmm. That's it. But I don't know. What about you, Lee? I would have to say I do not know either. And, you know, now that you've brought that question up, I'm interested to know the answer. Yeah. Because, I, you know, if it is black, then that's cool with me because that's one of the things I shared on the last episode, right, was that I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. that phrase mm-hmm. being used, but I do not know. So, I doubt if it's African-American, though. Mm-hmm. No, as a matter of fact. It's uh, not in the Philippines, by the way. No, it's not. It's black. Mm-hmm. It, it's not. In oh. most parts of the world, it's not uh, called that country and the, or, you know, African and then that other country as well. We adopted this phrase Twice. Well, we adopted a form of this phrase and then we adopted this actual phrase in the 1980s. Uh, Reverend Hmm. Jesse Jackson gave that term for us to call each other, um, thinking that that was going to hit home for the culture. Hmm. And it was picked up and never dropped off. It should have been dropped off almost, almost immediately because as we have discussed at this table that Everyone doesn't have a connection with Africa. That's first and foremost. And then second part of that is that as you look deeper into your history, you realize that everybody didn't come from Africa. Mm-hmm. So that, there lies the problem. The, the other term that was uh, brought up in the early 60s <clears throat> was Afro-American. Mm-hmm. And so I've heard that um, term given to multiple cultures because there's a, a, a black background in a lot of different uh, other countries. Uh, in Brazil, there's a, a, a Afro background. In Peruvia, there's an Afro background, and that mm-hmm. term is being used. But it's different from African to Afro. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's uh, something. And, and, you know, in this music thing, I've learned a few things. There is a Latin TV channel that pretty much centers around the Afro-Latin, Afro-Brazilian, Afro-Peruvian. And I've learned so much. I don't understand most of it because it's in different languages. But <laughs> what, what I do understand and what, what the, when they do speak English, it just changes the game to realize that these roots go way deeper than just America and even much deeper than Africa. It, 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 these roots go far beyond anything we could ever talk about. So, yeah. <coughs> if anybody would like to talk about that a little bit. or Yeah, the Dominican Republicans, right? I mean, it's, you know, being Dominican Republic or being um, from Puerto Rico or being, as you mentioned, Brazil, a lot of them do, do um, kind of express themselves as an Afro-Latina or Afro-Latin. Mm-hmm. individual, um, which is, it, I love it, yeah. right? I love it. Um, and you don't question it if someone says it. You know exactly what it means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I think that when it comes down to America, right? Um, we, <laughs> we've been given so many different names that um, it's sad that we're still having this conversation today. I will yeah. just say that. Yeah. It's unfortunate, let me say. It's not necessarily sad. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but we have to have those conversations. Yeah. I mean, you know, we don't, majority of us, you know, don't know our roots. Yep. You know, we're doing Ancestry.com. You know, we're trying to find our DNA, DNA, trying to find what tribe we come from. So we're like, okay, that's cool. You know, African-American, we'll take that. Right. <laughs> Sold. Right. <laughs> um, 
I, I don't want to jump too deep into this, but I, I, since you brought it up, I would like to know how you feel about the uh, Ancestry.com and, and the finding your lineage through DNA testing. I will say this, and I hope I'm not offending anyone, um, and, and, I, and I know how to keep it politically correct, so I'm going to say this the best way I can. I just personally don't want anybody having my DNA that I didn't uh, know what they were going to do with all that information. How, how do you guys mm. feel about that? <clears throat> huh. Well, I'm kind of 50-50 on that. Okay. Um, I think in this uh, meta world that we live in now, all of our information is just pretty much out there in the world. Every single thing that is about us, if you own a cell phone, trust and believe everybody knows your information. Um, so I think with the whole DNA uh, you know, swiping my, my, my jaw. I don't think I'm uncomfortable with providing my DNA. I know one of my family members did it and it, when we found out the results, it brought a lot of insight on who I am as a person and the gifts that I have, like music and storytelling, the tribe that we come from. That's the reason why I share stories of men and women is because of my culture. So for me, it was exciting to, to learn more about me with ancestry.com or whatever, you know, they use, I don't know what they use, but I was able to find out more about me because I think as black people, we don't have culture. We don't, most of us don't keep up with Kwanzaa. Let's keep it real. Um, you know, it, it just saddens me when I see like on uh, Instagram reels, when I see like, Middle Eastern people and they're dancing at weddings and doing their traditional dances and things of that sort. Like, dang, we ain't got none of that because <clears throat> we don't know where we from. Okay. So for me, it's, it's, it's split. It's 50, 50. Right. It's exciting to find out who you are, but I can understand your point of view. Right. You know, I'm with you on that, Amanda. I'm 50, 50 as well. And I'm going to tell you why it's slightly very similar. I do believe that there is a story that is untold that can be shared that brings enlightenment to you and your family, mm -hmm. especially because we, we, we struggle through self-identification. Um, and my grandmother did it. I was a birthday gift for her that I did for her. Um, and, you know, I've done it and it does um, bring a lot of truths and awareness. However, the other 50% for me is trust or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I trust the, that all the information that was shared with me is 100% accurate. And I True. say that because is it a part of a bigger story or a systematic story that's trying to be told? And that's where it, we start to deep to go into deeper issues of trust. Our culture does have a difficult time mm -hmm. um, because it very well may be 100% true. But I'm just saying where I stand, there is a 50% part of me that says, is it though? Right. 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 So, and, and I'm just going to, you know, I'm not knocking anything anyone said and, and I respect to a, to the fullest degree on both with both of you guys said, um, but you're right with the trust thing. My, my trust is so shattered with mm. um, what people are, especially people in, in these industries that have the hidden agendas. It's so shattered and I wish that they could come clean and just say, you know what, we, we're going to do this and only this. We're not going to put no fine print on it. We're not going to do no mm -hmm. underlying studying about something on how to break you down or build you up or treat you a certain kind of way. And if they did, 
I surely would give it a go. But that that trust has been ruined over the course of my lifetime. And I'm 50 years old. And so I've I've heard stories from the old days and I've heard stories from mm-hmm. the new days and I've got my own stories. And then that trauma just sets in and I'm like, I don't know if I can go forward with this. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess I would be 50-52. I mean, we have a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of association with uh, trust and trauma, you know, in our culture. Yeah. Yeah, from the beginning. Yeah. The roots of it all. Yeah. And still today, so I understand that. So with that being said, right, um, <clears throat> being that we're focusing on Black present, I have two questions on this. So being that there's issues with trauma and trust, how do we build for the future? But before we answer that, I'd like to know what you see in the future. What's your hope for the black community? That we awake. I mean, there are so many of us that are sleeping still. And that will be what I would love to see in the very near future. Mm. And an awakening can be a, a an array of things, right? It starts with an awareness of oneself. Mm-hmm. It starts with being told all that you need to know about your story, about your lineage in its entirety. And then um, I-, I would say that finding the community, um, I-, I-, I like to say this, stepping out of the box, but inside the circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've said that before. Um, Jenna probably has heard me say it in the mm-hmm. past, But I say that in ways of stepping outside of your barriers, but stepping amongst a a circle of community support. Um, And one of the things I would say is very disheartening is that my daughter, Amanda, you mentioned some of the struggles we still deal with today, the trauma, the trust that we still deal with today. My daughter is 12 years old. Okay, guys, and get this. She has experienced racism by being called a racist name today. Okay, Mm -hmm. 2022, 2023, within the past year, four times. Mm -hmm. And she's a young black little girl. Mm -hmm. She's experienced it more than my entire childhood. Why? Because I grew up in an urban community where there was a lot of other black kids. Mm -hmm. She's growing up in an inclusive environment, which is good, and a diverse environment, which is good. But sometimes it comes with a consequence. Yeah. And I have to work through that with her, talk with her, make sure that she doesn't lose sight of herself in the process of still trying to find herself because she's still an adolescent youth. So it is still relevant today. The trust has to be still built every moment that we wake up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think as a, as a people, as a culture, we still need to heal. Absolutely. We have a lot of generational uh, healing that we need to do. Um, traumas that have happened to our ancestors, to our grandparents uh, that have been, you know, and I don't want to go church here, but we can talk about generational curses. Like with the trauma has been connected to us, you know, from what happened to our grandma or what happened to our auntie. And because of their experiences, we have been, um, our trust sometimes has been shaped by that, right? So say if I met Jen and um, I've been told in my culture that, you know, don't like her, don't like her people, 
you know, so I'm automatically walking into a situation, not even trusting her and I don't even know her. Mm-hmm. But if I take time to get to know her as an individual, then I'll say, oh, I can trust her. Oh, she is a safe space for me. So I think that as a people, um, you know, we need to go through a healing process. And if we uh, heal within, like you said, the circle, if we heal within, then we can start learning how to trust. But we also have to be discerning because we live in a crazy world. Mm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to jump in there real quick because I'm going to take it a little bit broader. And, and the reason why is because uh, I'm going to explain why I'm going to go broader because it's important for me as an individual to bring in the entire audience and where Amanda and Lee hit the nail on the head. And, and I agree a hundred percent waking up and then getting that deeper understanding uh, is very important. There's something that we all can do as a human race. I want people to read more. I want people to read between the lines, read some books Read some labels. Let me tell you something that I found out. So uh, there are products that are being made right now that are in our grocery stores that have the label HEK292. And that's a form of an aborted fetal cell that is put in food products right now to this day. People don't know because they don't read it. Hmm. There's a vanilla product. Um, that is extracted from a beaver's butthole gland that is considered vanilla. If it's not vanilla bean, then that's where the vanilla is coming from. It's those simple things. If we just read and and look at something, we'll be so much smarter, so much wiser. Test me. Look it up. H-E-K-292. Hmm. It will blow your mind. You're already blowing our mind. I mean, you know, when when we did the first episode, I was like, all right, we about to go to school with Corey. He's about to be <laughs> teaching us. I mean, I mean, he got you're you're in you're elevating our mind in this uh podcast because you're you're asking us questions that are really very thought provoking and really making us assess our life and where we are today, not only as a people, but individually and how we need to be more um more, I want to say discerning, but very um, open to reading the things that we consume, not just food, but what we read. Mm-hmm. I'm so humbled by that, Amanda. You have no idea that. I mean, I'm I'm fighting emotion right now because mm-hmm. that's all I've ever wanted to do is just provoke some thought. Mm-hmm. Just get someone to think past the end of their nose, you know? Yeah. And that's tough in a time when people just want to believe whatever's on the TV. Yeah. Yeah. To your point, Lee, um, I think, Corey, we've had very private conversations about a people who need to wake up. And so I'm going to speak as Corey's wife on this. I think a lot of emotion is the sadness and despair you feel when, mm. you know, Corey earlier shared how he loves women and he loves black people, and that those are his passions, right? To see a people get out of this sleep state and become very conscious and aware and know that things are set in place to fool, to deceive, to trick, and to wise up and use community to build each other up. Um, You know, when I asked about what the future goal was, 
um, Amanda, you're a coach. So we always go into what's future state, what's ideal state. Mm -hmm. And so what you shared was, Lee, you said for people to wake up, Amanda said for healing, which are strong. When I asked Corey this earlier, Corey said to me, I want us to stop killing each other. I want us to live. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that as a dream state, right? We talked about Martin Luther King Jr. in his speech of I have a dream. And these are the dreams that you're sharing for your people. If you talk to maybe someone from my culture, the dream is, is that the Philippines would rise up and rebuild so we can go back um, to our wealthy state and not be used for our resources and be taken advantage of, right? Um, people lack a specific dream because they still are in a sleep state. What I mean by this is being a prisoner is a matter of your mind. Mm -hmm. And so you're confined. And I almost think that I wonder if people are in a state of they're still in hope or they're in despair. Why do people stay asleep at this state? Um, it's almost like they're in a state of apathy to concentrate on survival solely when you're a part of a group where you're being killed and it's not safe. The tendency to not wake up because you're in survival mode is slim to none. Mm -hmm. So for people who are listening to get to the future state, um, I mean, I know Corey, I don't know if you're able to speak yet, but I think present state let's wake up. So the future state can be we're healed and now we're rising up. We're taking our rightful places. We're not scared to use our voice. Um, we're open to all. We don't have trust issues. So we're able to flourish. You know what I mean? So I guess my question is, is how do we wake up? What are we doing actively today as people to not have the blinders on anymore? To I'm, get out of survival mode. I'm going to start because I want to uh, clear something up that yeah. I, I just said. Uh, that number is not H-E-K-292. It's H-E-K-293. Okay, thank um, you. But the one thing that I, I really want to focus on, you said, how do we how do we get there? Yeah, how do, how do you wake up? This is how I know we can wake up for sure. Mm. Um, <clears throat> in America... We have different communities. We have different spots and places that we purchase things from and different places we go to acquire the things that we feel like we need or want. And in the black community, the dollar stays circulating for approximately six hours. So you get paid, you pay your bills, and you go do what you're going to do. And six hours later, that you money have no is, money. That money is out of the community. Wow. Mm -hmm. Um. In the Jewish community, 19 days. In the white community, 17 days. Hmm. Um, in the Asian community, 28 days. So you can see how wealth can build and stay there for a little bit of time and, and help grow that community, grow that neighborhood, grow that uh, environment. Whereas if the black community, community can only keep money in their circulation for six, six hours. hours i mean wow we're talking we get it and it's gone wow there's no way we can ever build anything and and, and i'm not even going to talk about how much money is in the 
community. We're just talking about how long it stays there. So I think if we start there and we start circulating our money amongst, there are so many black entrepreneurs out there that are doing great and wonderful things. I'm sitting at the table with a few. I I talked to some. I visited one yesterday, um, and I'm going to mention her uh, because she's into juicing, and she I just bought a, a ton of stuff her from her. Husband, her husband, wonderful. Her, yeah, um, juice and gems, and it's like if we could just figure that part out, how to keep the money in the community for a little bit longer. And don't get me wrong, guys, I'm not saying let's do it forever and we keep the money in the community, you know. But we got to do better than six hours. Yeah. yeah. So there's a question, um, Amanda. We'll start with you. What are you doing? Um, to positively offer yourself, whether it be to yourself or to other black entrepreneurs, what does that look like? Mm. You know, for me, um, when I, when I have my co-working space, it was important for me, uh, being in a very affluent area to be able to offer space to some of the black entrepreneurs that I know that maybe couldn't afford it at the time mm. to be able to provide a space for them in a city that is very affluent where I know that they can flourish. Um, so as an entrepreneur to be able to provide space for, for those women, uh, for those men. Yes, indeed. That's what I did. But now um, moving forward with storytelling, um, I've been able to um, provide a space for black women to, to heal and share their stories. Now, you know um, it's different Um with our other counterparts, they're open to share. But in our communities, we mm. have been taught this is our business. This stays in the house, and don't you tell nobody our business. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Very common. People of color thing. That's the same in my yeah. culture, too. Yeah. So, you know, when we experience, when we go back to trauma, when we talk about healing, we experience those things. We just stuff them in our bag. Yeah. You know, we carry this, this baggage. And, and it's hard for us to share. So um, I'm, I'm launching um, a storytelling space in Inglewood, right? In a space where in my community with She Stories has always been predominantly white women that have shared. But now it's with African-American women. And I'm excited to have this space because it, it's a process of us coming together and feeling safe amongst each other. Right. And then helping each other tear down the wall so that we can be able to share our feelings, our emotions, our trauma so we can heal together in that's community. Right. So, I, I, you know, I, I think that's one of the steps. And, you know, I keep saying, like, we need to heal, but we really need to. Mm-hmm. It's important in order for you to grow. How can you grow if you are not healed? How can you move forward if you're stuck in the past? That's right. Seeking therapy, mm-hmm. not being afraid to speak to a professional, yes, um, not being ashamed to mm-hmm. speak with psychologists, therapists, mm-hmm. psychiatrists mm-hmm. Um, is really, really important. But it doesn't just stop there. I think, as you mentioned, the conversations have to continue to happen amongst the community around you. What I realize is a lot of us are carrying um, deep-rooted bitterness, um, and it goes back to the healing. Um, but it, but but with bitterness comes out this vomit of anger and rage and disappointment. It's it's the pessimistic side. It's the pessimistic views. 
And it, it, it unfortunately blocks your perspective of being able to see things in its true beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that we can do in the now also is leverage the resources that we have because there are a lot of them out there and not just vocally the where you could share things in an oral setting as we are doing right here today, but also the resources of education, the resources mm-hmm. of books, the resources of particular loans that are that are created now for the people of color, for the black community um, and being able to take advantage of those opportunities. If your story is I want to be an entrepreneur and I don't want to go to school because I have a vision that needs to be watered now Go for it. Yeah. But it's also okay to say, yes, I know college is expensive, but I need that education because I there's some things I want to do in my community. Mm-hmm. I want to change some things. Yeah. And it does give you a ticket, if you will, to be able to influence the community at large. Yeah. yeah. And they're doing things with, with school nowadays to where you can uh, not only afford it, but you can bypass uh, certain aspects of school, mm-hmm. so you don't have to go through the general, ed- general, gen- general, general education. General education. <laughs> Sorry about that; I got a little tongue tied. But um, yeah, so you don't have to worry about some of those hurdles that that a lot of people had to climb over. And again, you know, as she said, with the resources, there's lots of grants. There's lots of um, mm-hmm. aid and help that can get you to right. that next level. And I really appreciate that. And I just got to piggyback on on what she said as well. As far as if you if you feel like you just need to blow right now, you need you got a, an idea and you got something yeah. that you want to work on. You know, we are here, and there's other resources, mm-hmm. and we're we'll be glad to point you towards those things so that you can get your stuff uh, on its feet and on the road. Yeah, right. and can I mention too that you know I I love this generation of Black entrepreneurs like. You know, we've saw the generation gap of, you know, we where my parents come from, it takes a village, right? And then we kind of lost that like in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. But now I'm seeing a turn in our culture where uh, when you look at Instagram and all these, you know, these new entrepreneurs that are coming up and they're really about um, elevating the minds of black young people to teach them how to be entrepreneurs and teach you how to start, you know, your corporation, teach you to get educated. To teach. And, and it's just amazing to me how we've seen the turn in the culture. And that's what I'm excited about. The present for yes. black culture is so wh- encouraging. What did, what did she just ultimately say? She said that our parents said that it takes a village and the village was kind of destroyed. Mm-hmm. And here we are with the village again. Mm-hmm. So it's telling me that the village works because I, I've done the exact same thing. I've went on Instagram and I learned how to put an LLC together. And that's how we have ours. I've went on Instagram yeah. and figured out how to um, market my material and, and get on playlist. And all. And that was the village that taught me that. Yeah. So it was imp- important and empowering. So, yeah, thank you for bringing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that our mm-hmm. village is literally online now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, you just got to know where it is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> For real. I want to, I want to, we were reading some things around that, Amanda. So a challenge, I think, for Elevation is this, is they say that building your village or your business, try to explore outside of the dependency on the, of the internet, mm-hmm. of social media, because you just never know what's going to happen. So that's something that we've been looking at. What does our music look like? What does the podcast look like without yeah. the platform? Um, we might have to go back to mailing lists 
and, you know, phone calls and things like that. We always want to be pre- be prepared for all of it. Um, Amanda Lee, you touched on something that was close to my heart in preparation for this topic um, is colorful positivity as we talk about our present. And Jess, Corey, you said earlier to me, just eliminating the color lines and barriers. And that's that place of healing where we can truly, because with healing comes amazing creativity, mm-hmm. right? Because the, the, the limit, there's, there is no limit. The ceiling's been removed. So um, I know, Corey, I asked you, or I want to ask you what you're doing in your world um, to bring healing to the community. So what I'm doing, and I, I want to go back to what you said about okay. the eliminating the color lines, but what I'm doing in my world is my band is composed of me being a black guy, um, a Puerto Rican, a white guy, and a Mexican guy. Oh, nice. And we have... <laughs> Sounds like a, a good buffet. I'm really hungry right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You ain't eating this. You ain't eating the band up. Feed your wife, man. right? Feed your wife. Okay. So um, in this band, we make it a point not to say it's this or it's that or it's going to be this or it's going to be that. We, we bring 100% of who we are as individuals. Uh, also... As I stated before, Jen and I make it a point to support entrepreneurs of every nationality. But when we come across the black one, because we know they're sparse and scarce. And so we make sure that we pour into them. There's another company called I Love IE. Mm-hmm. And, oh yes, you know, when we, when we came across them, we were like, oh, we got to support at all costs. We're going to support. And so it's it's just that. But the, that color line thing real quick before I, I turn the mic back over. Imagine this. Imagine being in a room, a huge room, and you see everybody walking into this room. And then when you enter into this room, there's a, a there's a small box, a small room for you and you alone. You walk into this box or this this smaller room. It's not, you know, claustrophobic or anything. And you're allowed to express exactly how you feel. And you're being told that you can express freely. When you have that, that opportunity, it changes the game. And if you realize later on down the line that everybody in that room heard you, every race, color, creed, nationality, it takes a little bit of the burden off of you because you felt like they didn't look at me as a black person or a Hispanic person or a Latino person. They look or Asian person. They looked at, they didn't look at me. They just heard me. And that's what I mean by remove the color lines, because I want to be able, I want all people to be able to speak freely without the worry of what people may be looking and seeing. Mm -hmm. So that's my idea of, uh, erasing the color and the consequences too and the consequences behind saying what you really feel right is it going to jeopardize my job mm. relationships opportunities because i i can't speak my truth here right mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. now when we when this group at this table is talking we're not talking extreme stuff. We're not talking about terroristic stuff. We're not talking about <laughs> craziness and killing wow. people and all that. That That's not. And so if you hear that and you say, well, no, we need limits on everything. You might need a limit, but I don't need no limit placed on me to say something that I feel like the rest of the world needs to hear. Mm-hmm. But it's in a way that it's respectable to all mankind. Mm-hmm. 
And can I just piggyback on that too, Corey? Um, I think that also the recipient benefits tremendously Absolutely. when there is space to be told something that can probably heal some things in yep. you. And especially if you kind of let those guards down, you allow yourself to be opened up to receiving. Mm-hmm. Um, one, you know, Jen, you asked the question of kind of what are we doing in the now, right? Or what are some things we could do in the now? And it's, I don't know if it's as broad um, or maybe even earthly strategic, but I will say um, um, I'm, I have a strong foundation in my spirituality. It's just who I am. It's part of my makeup. And one of the things I've recently realized, probably within the last five years or less, is that God has given me a gift and that enables me and makes me accountable to speak a truth in a person or around a person that especially in the moment of time that they need it. Mm. And often it could be um, something about themselves or their skill set or how they've impacted other people. Or maybe it's something in relation to, hey, I know you were thinking about doing X, Y, Z. I think you should really move forward with that. I think you would be really good at that. And it frees people. And for a while, I felt hesitant because mm. I thought, I don't want to offend. I don't want to step over the boundary lines or maybe this is a work environment. Maybe it's not my place. Or are they going to receive it? All of these questions. So just, you know, kind of chiming in on that, Corey, I think just as it's healing for you to give, there's a healing that also comes from that recipient mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And that's what penetrates that that awakening and that healing. Yeah. yeah. I receive it. I do. <laughs> right? I do. I, I've it. actually receive received it, some of the gifts from Lee, being that I work close to her in proximity and just we're on the same team so it is a gift Lee, and that just brings healing throughout and it gives people a different perspective of you and so to hold our gifts in people will get to experience that and see like oh those stories i heard are not true and yeah. so now here's the stories i now get to create based on truth and the truth i've experienced with that person absolutely yeah, yeah. Well, you know us to take the elevator. We say, look up and let's elevate. Oh, I was all off. No, oh, that was okay. <laughs> in unison, but not in that part. It's right. Okay. <laughs>